When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. And welcome back into the Bama on Three show. This is first and ten. Coming at you first thing in the morning with a ten minute recap of what's going on with Alabama. Now, to start the day, the great news is we are officially done with the boring part of Alabama's schedule, at least for the most part. You're still going to have New Mexico State later on in the season, but as far as Mercer, as far as Southern Miss, I mean, I understand that that Miami was a fairly exciting opening week game. Miami fans made it a lot more exciting by actually thinking they were going to compete and win that football game. So it gave Alabama fans something to look forward to, but I think we all knew that Alabama was going to completely wipe the floor with them. Um, so it's been a fairly boring first month of the season. Uh, now that we're officially a quarter of the way through the season, which is, excuse me, a third of the way through the season, which is completely bonkers once you think about it. Feels like yesterday we were just getting this party started. And now we're already a third of the way through the season. But things are only going to pick up from here. And that's the exciting part. You know, you've got Ole Miss, number 12 Ole Miss, Coming into Tuscaloosa this next week, that's going to be an absolute blast of a game with Lane Kiffin, and we'll we'll talk about that more, you know, whether it be on you know the Daily Ten or the First and Ten, which is what we're now calling it. I'm still going to have the the habit of calling it the Daily Ten for a little while, even though it was still fairly new. We've switched the name from the Daily Ten to First and Ten, but we'll, we'll certainly talk more about Ole Miss over the course of this week. And we'll certainly be talking about Ole Miss as far as Jimmy and I on the regular Bam on 3 show. But then once you get done with Ole Miss, you've still got Texas A&M going to the ro- on the road to College Station, even though Arkansas handed uh, Texas A&M a pretty lopsided loss over the weekend. They're still a good football team, and it's still going to be a tough matchup. And then you got to go on the road to Starkville to play Mississippi State. So the next three weeks, as far as Alabama football is concerned, should be fairly exciting. But for now, what we're going to do is we're going to turn our attention back towards this past weekend, that game against Southern Miss. And one of the big things for me going into that football game for Alabama, if you're Alabama, was being able, and Nick Saban's talked about it, being able to maintain intensity and focus. I talked to several of the other beat writers and other people, you know, all week leading up to the game and, you know, all the way up until kickoff. And and my big message for Alabama or – where I told people that I wasn't overly concerned with this Alabama football team up to this point. They have concerns and issues that they need to get worked out, but as far as their ability to overcome those and still compete for a championship, I still have a lot of uh, you know confidence in their ability to be able to do that. But what I wanted to see this past weekend, going against a, a subpar team like Southern Miss, was you had to come in focused. You know, we saw Alabama take on an inferior Mercer game, uh, Mercer team, a much more inferior Mercer team. And we saw them play very poorly. You know, the offense comes out a, a three and out to start the game. Mercer has some success over the course of four quarters. You just didn't see, you know, any sort of focus from Alabama heading into that game or during that game. 
after going to the swamp and having that close call, that should have been Alabama's wake-up call going into Southern Miss. And so I, I was telling people, if they come out flat and they still aren't focused and they're still, you know, treating things the same way or, or treating the approach to how they prepare in the same way that they did prior to that Florida game, meaning, you know, how they prepared for Miami, how they, you know, prepared for Mercer and the fact that Nick Saban wasn't happy with that, that's where my concern uh, was going to kick in for this Alabama football team because I would no longer be confident if, if, if last week's game against Florida and the fact that you were able to barely escape and you were actually beat for three quarters, if that isn't enough to tell you, okay, we've got to get our minds right, we've got to get focused because we are beatable, you know, unless we continue to work to try to get better. You know, I just felt like that was a huge thing for me going in. And luckily, Alabama answered the call. And that's what I think, you know, especially offensively. There were still, you know, defensive issues. Alabama still struggled to, you know, maintain that intensity on the defensive side of the football. Tackling remained an issue. You know, they allowed some key third down conversions. And it was interesting to see how much success Southern Miss was able to have through the air, considering they came in with a passing offense that was ranked well outside of the top 100. They came in and, and they didn't have a ton of success against Alabama's defense, just over 200 yards. They did score two touchdowns, but most of that success, 131 of those yards, I think, were passing uh, yards, and, and both scores were passing touchdowns. And just with the way that, that Southern Miss passing offense had looked through the first few weeks of the season, that to me was a little bit shocking. But there were also some bright spots defensively as well. I think that Will Anderson Jr. continues to show he's one of the best college football players out there, period. You know, especially when you start talking about best defensive players in the country, he's certainly going to be involved in, you know, in that conversation and in that mix. I thought Christian Harris played a lot better defensively. I didn't think Henry Toa Toa played much better than he did the week before. He just didn't have as many opportunities to miss tackles and, you know, um, you know, miss gap assignments and things like that. He's still a work in progress. I don't really know what's going on with him, but I think it's just a matter of getting his confidence back. And hopefully that happens against Ole Miss because they're certainly going to need him. They're going to need Christian Harris. You know, Henry Toto, that's your communicator. That's the guy that you kind of handed the green dot. I know that college, the college level doesn't have the green dot, but he was the one that was handed that responsibility of handling the communication and, and the defensive calls, and they need him to be in a good headspace. So hopefully he's able to continue to work towards improving in that area. I thought Alabama had a great game plan as far as their defensive line rotation. Nine guys ended up playing, but some of them you know, were later in the game, like Monkel Goodwine, I think, got in for one play, but that was it. You had Justin Aboyby, you had DJ Dell, Byron Young, um, Fedarian Mathis was one, Tim Smith, Jamil Burrows. I thought he played a pretty good game. I'll be curious to see how he gets involved or if he's able to get more involved uh, throughout the season. But So I want to say that you had probably seven, maybe eight guys who got pretty consistent snaps. Now, granted, only one player, one of those defensive linemen broke 20 snaps, and that was Justin Aboyby. He had 23. Otherwise, LeBron Ray and all those guys – they all were 20 snaps or less. And I think that deep defensive line rotation, I'll be curious to see if they're able to continue that. Probably not as much so against Ole Miss just because of the the pace of Ole Miss's offense. Uh, but we'll kind of have to just wait and see how that ends up turning out. Offensively, though, I was very pleased with the way that Alabama, you know, played. Were they perfect? No. But, you know, from Bryce Young, you know, he only had two passes, two of his 22 passes 
hit the ground and not get completed. So he completed 20 of 22 of his pass attempts for 313 yards, five touchdowns, and he did throw his first interception of the season. But anybody that was watching that game uh, knew that was not his fault. It was Jamison Williams' fault. It bounced right off his hands in the, into the defender's hands. And, you know, it's unfortunate. But at least Bryce Young gets that monkey off his back. And I will give him a ton of credit because in the postgame player interviews, he accepted responsibility for it, even though everybody knows. And, and Nick Saban even mentioned, you know, just a few minutes before he took responsibility for it, that it was not Bryce Young's fault. And even when reporters told him that, he still would not let – Jamison Williams take all the blame. He put some of the blame on, on himself, and I respect that. You know, as a quarterback, and I guarantee you, Jamison Williams does too. You know, Brian Robinson Jr. missed this game due to a rib injury that he suffered against Florida. That left the starting duties to Jace McClellan. I thought he ran extremely well. Um, I thought Roydell Williams played extremely well. You know, being the number two back, I think that was surprising for a lot of people that he was the number two guy rather than. Trey Sanders, who, you know, didn't really see any action. It wasn't that he – it wasn't just that he wasn't, you know, the, the second back in the game with Brian Robinson Jr. out. It was the fact that we didn't see him until much later. You know, the one-two punch against Florida, it was Brian Robinson Jr. and Jason McClellan. B-Rob gets hurt. And Roydell Williams, after fumbling against Miami and, and, you know, kind of getting in the doghouse with the coaching staff, he's able to get out of it. He becomes the number two guy, and he plays extremely well, the two guys combined for 23 carries, 207 yards, and one rushing touchdown. And then Jace McClellan also had a receiving touchdown, which was the third of the season for him. So that was encouraging to see from those guys. And then the other two big offensive pieces that you need to be talking about right now, you know, certainly Jamison Williams. You know, his ability to be a, an impact player, whether it be from a kick returning standpoint or as a big play receiver. He only had one catch against Southern Miss, but it went for 81 yards and a touchdown. Now he's got an 81-yard touchdown. He's got a 90 um, – what was it? I think it was a 94-yard touchdown catch against Miami. He had a 100-yard kick return against uh, Southern Miss on Saturday. He also had an 83-yard kick return for a touchdown on Saturday. So just continues to be a big play option for Alabama. And there's not a whole lot of shiftiness or you know anything like that to his game, but his straight-line speed is absolutely incredible. He's running hard. He was actually able to break a tackle on that opening kickoff that he re returned for 100 yards for a score. So that was fantastic to see. But really the, the other two big talking points that I wanted to talk about on today's first and 10, Jaleel Billingsley and Cameron Latou, the one-two punch at tight end. And, you know, Jaleel Billingsley going into the season, we all thought he's going to be the guy. He's one of the top tight ends in the country. Then he gets in the doghouse, you know, with the coaching staff, and everybody knows that story. Cameron Latou, who – you know, he had been creating buzz for himself pretty much throughout the entire spring. We heard great things throughout the summer. You know, going into fall camp, we heard that, that touchdown streak with with Bryce Young and scrimmages and stuff, that was keeping up. And and that's translated to on field on Saturdays for both Cameron Latou and Bryce Young. So he ended up kind of taking over the the, the top duties at tight end. Jalil Billingsley pretty much came, became an afterthought. Now he's worked his way back onto the field, back into the good graces of the coaching staff, and it's played out extremely well for him. You know, on Saturday, five catches on six targets for 105 yards and a, and a touchdown. When you combine that with Cameron Latou's three catches on four targets for 57 yards and two touchdowns, the tight ends were a huge part of the offense. Of the passing yardage that happened, 
total, they accounted for 162 yards on eight catches, 10 targets, and three of the six touchdowns that took place against Southern Miss. And you're talking about two guys who are going to put a huge strain on opposing defenses, this duo. You know, now that you got Jaleel Billingsley fully back, he's incorporated in the offense. I think he had two targets on the first drive of the game. He had another target on the second drive of the game. So within the first two series, he already had three targets. And you can tell he's going to be a huge part of the offense, especially with the wide receivers kind of, you know, struggling at times to consistently create separation. You know, might as well be going to your big body tight ends. Um, you know, and I think that's going to be a huge part of Alabama's offense. But with Billingsley being that 6'4", 230-pound guy, he's not really a traditional inline tight end blocker. You know, he's not going to be that player, a Rob Gronkowski type. But he's going to be more of a Kyle Pitts where you're not going to ask him to line up in line and, and you know, wash defensive ends down and things like that in the run game. You're going to put him as a, you know, as a move tight end, as an H-back, lined up off the line of scrimmage. You're going to line him up as a big slot. You're going to line him up on the perimeter. And you're going to be able to do a lot of different things with him in that way. And, and so far, Alabama's been able to do that. And then you got Cameron Latou, who's a 6'5", 250-pound. You know, he's, he's, he's only an inch taller than Jaleel Billingsley, but he's got 20-plus pounds on him. And he can do a lot of that traditional inline tight end stuff. You can line him up and allow him to block. I, thought, I think he's been a fantastic blocker so far this season and then also he's a great red zone threat not just a red zone threat really but I mean you know of Alabama's you know 16 touchdown passes this season six of them have gone to the tight ends four of them have gone to the running backs and Cameron Latou has accounted for four of those 10 touchdown catches he actually leads the team so he can be a red zone target he can be a great blocker I just think that Jalil Billingsley's skill set and Cameron Latou's skill set, they both complement each other extremely well. And they're both mismatched problems. And Nick Saban talked about that in the post-game press conference where he he talked about how big of an asset having those two styles of tight ends or those two talented tight ends can be for your offense because normally when you're a defensive coordinator and you're trying to figure out who's going to cover the tight end, sometimes you put a linebacker on the tight end and he just doesn't have the necessary athleticism to be able to keep up with a very athletic Billingsley or even Cameron Latou. Sometimes you put a safety on them and they don't have the size, or maybe you put a nickel corner, you know, uh, someone like that who just doesn't have the necessary size to be able to maintain or contain a 6'4", 230-plus pound tight end or a 6'5", 250-plus pound tight end. So I think that's going to be absolutely huge for Alabama's offense moving forward, having those two guys with the run game, there's still some you know consistency issues as far as the run blocking, and I understand that Southern Miss is not the same caliber as some of these SEC defenses that Alabama is going to be playing. But Southern Miss did have a pretty good defense going in, much better than you would think for a Conference USA defense, and Alabama was pretty much able to uh, have some success. Maybe it wasn't as consistent as we would have liked, but they're showing improvement, and it's another week of this offensive line getting to play together gel as a unit and try to get better and so I think Alabama's in much better shape this week going into this Ole Miss game compared to where they were a week ago even though I understand the opponent was much different and, and they, they're going to automatically just from the difference in talent level and, and you know where those two teams stand there's obviously going to be differences when you see Alabama play both teams but I just think that Alabama's in great shape uh, or a lot better shape heading into this Ole Miss week than they were last week I think they got some things figured out. 
I, I respect the fact they were able to get, to get their intensity issue fixed for the most part. They still have some issues defensively, like I said, but this is going to be a, a fun game. So that's going to do it um, for the, the first and 10. We got another episode of the Bama on three show coming up later today. Jimmy and I will be hopping on and discussing Southern Miss a lot more in depth. We're going to be looking forward to some of uh, you know, the old Miss stuff and talking a little bit about it, but also a lot of the other games that are going to be happening around college football. It's going to be a great weekend for college football, so stick around for that. We appreciate you guys tuning in. This is the Bama on 3 show, the first and 10. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.